Before we get started, I wanted to thank Prevail Infoworks, the sponsor of today's podcast. Prevail Infoworks is the only global, full-service, tech-enabled CRO and e-clinical service provider harnessing historical and publication data alongside ongoing study data in real time. Get the most out of your study data and schedule a demonstration of this service for yourself at www.prevailinfoworks.com. And be sure to meet the Prevail team at the Outsourcing Clinical Trials East Coast Conference in May or at their offices in Philadelphia. Again, take a moment and explore their new look website at www.prevailinfoworks.com. Check them out. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Inspirna is putting RNA biology to work to address difficult-to-treat cancers that affect large numbers of people, such as colorectal cancer, small-cell lung cancer, and non-small-cell lung cancer. Its platform technology is being used to discover the underlying drivers of cancer that can be drugged by both small molecules and biologics to address RNA dysregulation. We spoke to Masood Tavazoi co-founder and CEO of Insperna, about the role RNA dysregulation plays in certain cancers, Insperna's platform technology, and its clinical pipeline in development. Masood, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny, for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. We're going to talk about RNA biology, Inspirna and the company's efforts to develop drugs that target RNA dysregulation to address difficult-to-treat cancers. Perhaps we can begin with RNA dysregulation. What is this, and how can it drive certain cancers? Yeah, thank you, Danny. It's a, it's a really great question, and again, it's really a pleasure to be here to discuss the exciting drug development efforts that our team at Inspirna are pushing forward. Um, these efforts are, are really built on a deep understanding of RNA dysregulation and its impact on cancer, which we can utilize to develop new first-in-class drug candidates, which is indeed the mission of our company. To appreciate how RNA dysregulation drives cancer, it is important to note that cancer is a disease which involves the activation of distinct cellular pathways composed of certain proteins that promote tumor growth and spread. Activation of these pathways generally occurs when these proteins become either overexpressed or altered in their structure. Now we know the central dogma of biology, which states that DNA encodes for RNA, which subsequently encodes for protein. RNA dysregulation is the process by which a protein's expression becomes altered at the level of the RNA that encodes for that protein. In cancer, this occurs predominantly via the action of small RNAs known as microRNAs. 
These small RNAs can significantly change the expression level of a given protein within a cancer cell, thereby promoting the cancer's growth and spread. Therefore, a deep understanding of RNA dysregulation can help reveal novel proteins that promote cancer's progression. And this is exactly the focus of Inspirna. By deeply surveying RNA dysregulation, we can discover novel, druggable proteins that are important drivers of cancer. We then develop first-in-class drug candidates against these proteins. How common is RNA dysregulation within the world of cancer, and how does that affect the ability to target these cancers with existing therapies? Yeah, so, you know, it is, it's estimated that more than half of the human genome's proteins can be regulated at the RNA level by small RNAs, so a very large fraction. However, only a fraction of these proteins are actually drivers of any one given cancer type, which is one of the key challenges of identifying these targets for the purposes of drug development. There are several well-characterized and clinically validated drug targets that are RNA dysregulated. Some of these targets, uh, for example, um, PDL1, VEGF, have been successfully drugged by approved biologics and small molecules that have already benefited a large number of patients. So these targets and the drugs developed against them do provide evidence that RNA dysregulated targets play a crucial role in cancer biology. My sense is that these have been difficult targets to identify. Why is that? Yeah, that's exactly right. So RNA dysregulated drug targets are, are difficult to identify, mainly because using available technologies to just quantify RNA itself from any given tumor generally will yield potentially thousands of RNAs that are dysregulated in that tumor at any one given time, which is not really useful for identifying good drug targets because only a few of these will turn out to be actual drivers of cancer worth targeting. The rest of these changes in the RNA um, uh, population are called passengers. Really, they're just along for the ride but they're not meaningfully contributing to cancer progression in a way that would um, provide rationale to investigate them as, as drug targets. Uh, additionally, RNA dysregulated targets by definition are not altered at the level of DNA in tumors. This means that DNA sequencing technologies, which have been historically used to identify many other drug targets in cancer. So for example, for BRAF, EGFR, or HER2, for example, cannot be used to identify RNA dysregulated targets. Essentially, these targets are invisible to next generation DNA sequencing, making it challenging to identify these. So therefore, really, the, the challenge is to efficiently find these needles in the haystack in what is otherwise really complex biology that occurs in cancer. Inspirna has a platform to discover novel RNA dysregulation targets in cancer. Walk me through how it works. Yeah, so our discovery platform, which we call RNA Driver, 
is to our knowledge, the first platform developed to prospectively identify novel RNA dysregulated targets in virtually any solid cancer type. The platform first models human cancer progression in vivo experimentally in the laboratory, starting with human cancer cells. Using this platform, we can then precisely monitor essentially the entire RNA transcriptome during the process of cancer progression. In this way, we can systematically screen virtually the entire genome in an unbiased fashion to efficiently hone in on the few target pathways that are driving cancer progression for any one given cancer type while essentially discarding the thousands of irrelevant molecular changes in RNA that are happening in those cancer cells that we don't really care about. Lastly, after these RNAs are discovered, these RNA pathways that are actually driving the cancer, the platform can then translate these into druggable protein targets because we are focused on developing drugs against the proteins, not the RNAs themselves. Um, pretty standard in oncology. The majority of approved drugs to treat cancer uh, are drugs that actually target the proteins that become activated or overexpressed. So we're, in this way, we're, the platform is really using RNA dysregulation as a flashlight to reveal these novel proteins uh, in order to really tease out those that are making a major impact on those cancer cells growth and spread. And obviously those are the targets we want to go after with new first-in-class drugs. This is actually a systems biology approach. How broad a view of the underlying cancer does it provide? We, we really believe that a deep understanding of the biology of a given cancer is crucial for developing effective drugs to treat that cancer. So by using a systems biology approach, we not only can discover novel bona fide cancer drug targets, but also gain a deep understanding of the biology related to the targets we discover and their actual effect on a given cancer type, meaning how do these protein targets actually make cancer progression worse? How do they make cancer cells grow, spread, metastasize? What is the uh, biological uh, mechanism by which these targets do this? This is crucial if we're truly to understand the potential of then drugging these novel targets with first-in-class drug candidates. Um, importantly, I should also mention that this systems biology approach and deep understanding of the biology also helps us to identify specific biomarkers that can enable the selection of patients most likely to benefit from these novel drug candidates, which um, significantly increases the likelihood of successful drug development. Your lead experimental therapy is RGX202. It's in development to treat KRAS mutant colorectal cancer. How difficult a cancer is that to treat? Yeah, so colorectal cancer is actually the third most common cancer type diagnosed in the United States. And approximately half of these patients have tumors that possess RAS mutations, including mutations in the gene KRAS. 
making this subtype of cancer very common. Um, unfortunately, despite its high incidence, meaning the uh, large number of patients that suffer from this cancer type, um, this uh, RAS mutated colorectal cancer is a very difficult cancer to treat uh, with really limited available effective therapy options beyond chemotherapy combination regimens that have been in use for almost two decades. You know, really, RAS mutant colorectal cancer remains a, a very common cancer type with a high unmet medical need. Uh, kind of, indeed, this is one of the key reasons that our team has focused on identifying novel druggable targets for RAS mutated colorectal cancers. Kind of one of the reasons we chose it as one of the many cancers to go after, and you know, and subsequently. Um, put, you know, worked on developing RGX202 to potentially address this unmet need for patients suffering from this cancer type. And how are these patients generally treated today? And what's the prognosis for someone with the condition? Yeah, so in the second line colorectal cancer setting, which is the setting where patients have received the standard uh, first line therapy for their disease and where their cancer has uh, uh, nonetheless gotten worse, so it's progressed. So that's the second line. Um, that's the, that is the setting we're currently developing RGX202 in. In that second line, the current standard of care, so the current approved therapy regimen, is a chemotherapy combination called Fulfiri, which is usually combined with an additional drug called Bevacizumab, which is a biologic drug. This treatment regimen combination has, has essentially been the standard of care for almost 15 years for the treatment of second line RAS mutant colorectal cancer. You know, unfortunately, only about 15, so one five percent of patients who receive this standard regimen experience what's known as an objective clinical response. And the expected median progression-free survival for patients receiving this regimen uh, is, in the, is approximately six months or less. So this, you know, this background really highlights not only um, uh, the paucity of treatment options available for patients with RAS mutant colorectal cancer to date, but also really the difficult nature of, of treating this specific cancer. What is RGX202 and, and how does it work? Yeah, so RGX202 is an orally administered small molecule that targets the creatine transporter called SLC6A8. So as cancer grows, it exhibits a phenomenon known as tumor hypoxia, which is defined as very low oxygen levels in the tumor itself. This is thought to arise due to the rapid growth of cancer cells that can actually outgrow their supply of blood vessels that provide the tumor with oxygen. As we all know, oxygen is crucial for cells to generate ATP, which is the energy molecule that drives cells. So in the low oxygen state within colorectal tumors, the cancer cells must find ways of continuing to grow and spread without normal oxygen levels. One of the ways they do this is by using this creatine transporter, SLC6A8, to bring in a high energy molecule 
called phosphocreatine from the outside of the cell where it's in high levels to the inside of the cancer cell where these cancer cells can use it. By doing this, the cancer cells actually evolve to generate ATP from phosphocreatine, thereby essentially you know, bypassing the need for oxygen, which is in short supply in the tumors. Now, RAS mutated uh, cancer cells appear to be highly sensitive to the effects of RGX202 as these cells require a, a high levels of ATP and other nucleotides to support their growth. So really in, in this way, RGX202 appears to really selectively shut down one of the key mechanisms that RAS mutated colorectal cancers use to grow and spread while generally sparing healthy cells of the body, which can generate most of their ATP using oxygen. And what's known about 202 from studies that have been conducted to date? Yeah, so RGX202 has been shown to be generally well tolerated as a single agent, as well as in combination with standard of care, with no dose-limiting toxicities observed in patients, treated in the phase one dose escalation studies to date. Uh, additionally, objective clinical responses have been observed uh, with RGX202 as a single agent and in combination with standard of care. We actually just recently presented interim clinical data from an ongoing phase 1b study at this year's ASCO annual meeting. Um, at this interim point, we had observed an objective response rate of 50% and a median preliminary progression-free survival of approximately 11 months in patients with RAS-mutated colorectal cancer uh, treated in the second-line setting with RGX202 combined with the standard of care, which, as I mentioned earlier, is a chemotherapy combination called Fulfiri plus uh, the drug called Bevacizumab. You know, therefore, we, we really believe that this clinical data generated to date is very encouraging for RGX202. And what's the development path forward? So we're initially uh, developing RGX202 for the second-line treatment of patients with RAS-mutated colorectal cancer. Uh, as I mentioned, the, uh, that the current Phase 1B study is a Phase 1B clinical trial. It's an open-label single-arm study investigating RGX202 in combination with standard of care. Uh, so we're continuing to enroll this study currently. We are projecting that the data generated from this ongoing clinical trial will help guide a future randomized placebo-controlled Phase 3 study which uh, eventually could potentially serve as a registrational trial. You have a second clinical candidate, RGX-104. What is RGX-104 and how does it work? Yeah, so RGX-104 is an orally administered small molecule activator of what's known as the LXR-APOE pathway. So by activating APOE expression in cancer cells, RGX-104 stimulates the innate arm of the immune system to facilitate an immune response against the cancer. 
So clinical data generated to date for RGX104 has demonstrated that patients who have certain genetic versions of the APOE gene, which RGX104 activates, namely the E2 or E4 APOE genetic variants, are those patients that show the greatest likelihood of an objective response to RGX104 containing regimens, thus really providing a genetic biomarker to be able to select patients for clinical development. And I should say approximately 35 to 40% of patients will have uh, the E2 or E4 APOE genetic biomarker. This activates the innate immune system. Does this open up the potential for combination therapies differently than immunotherapies that activate the adaptive immune system? Yes, indeed, it, it, indeed it does. So immune, immunotherapies that activate the adaptive immune system, so uh, the best examples, immune checkpoint inhibitors, have proven to be effective in a large number of patients suffering from a variety of cancers. You know, however, uh, many patients do not benefit from these therapies still. And RGX-104 can potentially address this by activating the innate arm of the immune system. Now, what's really interesting is that uh, we have observed that RGX-104, by activating the innate immune system, might actually enhance the activity of immunotherapies that activate the adaptive immune system. And the reason for this is that the innate immune system is hypothesized to play a role in resistance to some of these checkpoint inhibitors that activate the adaptive system. Uh, we are, in fact, currently conducting a phase 1B clinical trial investigating the combination of RGX-104 with the immune checkpoint inhibitor uh, ipilimumab in patients with advanced endometrial cancer who harbor the APOE biomarker. Uh, this trial actually were, were, is being conducted in collaboration with um, Bristol-Myers Squibb, uh, the developer of ipilimumab. You're looking at both small cell lung cancer and non-small cell lung cancer. How broad a set of cancers might this be applicable to treating? Yeah, so in addition to um, advanced endometrial cancer setting I just mentioned, we're also investigating RGX-104 in combination with chemotherapy, uh, the standard of care chemotherapy, uh, in patients with um, non-small cell lung cancer who harbor the APOE biomarker. You know, we believe really based on the... Uh, the, mechanism, the novel mechanism of action of RGX-104 and the relatively large number of patients that uh, have the APOE genetic biomarker, we believe there is potential for RGX-104 to address um, several cancers. What's known about its safety and efficacy from studies that have been done to date, and, and what's the development path forward for it? So RGX-104 has been tested as a monotherapy, as well as in combination with several other agents, including chemotherapy and immune checkpoint inhibitors in phase one, B, in phase one studies uh, completed to date. In these trials, RGX-104 has generally been well tolerated uh, and clinical responses have been observed 
in patients with a variety of cancer types, which include lung cancer and endometrial cancer, two cancers for which we are focusing our development of RGX-104 in an ongoing phase 1B study. Inspirina completed a Series D financing round of $50 million in July. How is that money being used and, and how far will that take you? Yeah, so the, the capital raise from the Series D financing will be mainly used to progress our lead clinical drug candidate, RGX202, through the Phase 1B clinical trial, really with the goal of generating additional efficacy and safety data from a larger number of patients with RAS mutated colorectal cancer. Um, this will uh, enable us, uh, among other things, to identify the optimal dose of RGX202 that will be suitable for any future subsequent phase three clinical trial, um, which I should note will require additional capital to conduct. Um, a, a smaller fraction of the proceeds from the Series D financing will be used to progress RGX 104, our second clinical candidate, through the Phase 1B clinical trial, as well as uh, fund ongoing preclinical R&D. Um, I'll say from a timeline perspective, the capital is projected to provide runway through late 2024. Masood Tavazoe, co-founder and CEO of Spirna. Masood, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Danny. I really want to thank you and all the listeners for taking the time to hear about the efforts of our team at Inspirna, who are really working tirelessly to bring new medicines to patients suffering from cancer. Really appreciate it and uh, enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.